truth. You know, the Lord just quickened me to mercy and truth, mercy and truth. And I looked that up this week, and that's in the scripture a lot. Mercy, God's mercy is there for anything we do. He will help us. He is there to help us. His mercy gets us out of situations that we don't deserve it maybe, but he'll help us. But he's also truth. Everybody say truth. You know, God's mercy isn't that we keep doing things that we shouldn't be doing. His truth and his mercy are connected together. And the Holy Spirit will lead us in and guide us into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. Then it goes on, he will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. And last of all, all things, everybody say all things, all things that the father has are mine. This is Jesus speaking. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Everybody say, thank God for the Holy Spirit. And uh, we are a blessed people. We are a people who are not uninformed. We do know what's going on because we are kept in touch. Everybody say in touch with God on all the things that are going on around us. And we have the ability not only to know what God's saying, but he will show us what to do with what he is saying. So in Mark, some people argue, you know, that this last part of Mark is not really in all the translations of the Bible, all the different ways that it's been translated but it's in other places too so we're going to start in 14 16 14 later he jesus appeared to the 11 as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen and he said to them go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature he who believes and is baptized will be saved but he who does not believe will be condemned. <clears throat> Basically, that's the difference between heaven and hell. We know that as believers. It's not God who condemns people. It's people's choices that put them in that position. And then it says, these signs, everybody say these signs, will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. <clears throat> they don't talk about demons. They're not fearful of demons. They cast out demons. That means they get rid of the demonic influence. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, excuse me, he received, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere the Lord working with them. Everybody say that. The Lord working with them and confirming the word. Say that. And confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Through the accompanying signs. Now, when it says the Lord working with them, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, 24-7, alive in us, working with us. In other words, helping us to do the things that Jesus has just commissioned us to do. That's why he said, I will not leave you orphans. I am going to send you a helper. And that helper will help you be just like me. That when you speak the word, there will be accompanying signs. You know, when we preach the word in here and at the end of services, you see people come forward. That's not because we did a good job. Could I say that again? 
That's not because we did a good job preaching that day. It's because the Holy Spirit of God took that word that we spoke, mixed it in their life with faith because they're hopeless in a lot of situations. They're helpless and they become aware of that because it says in John 16, it's the number one responsibility of the Holy Spirit to convict people of their need for God. How many of you know a lot of people who don't think they need God? You know, they just, and like the, the person who spoke to Dan, see, they think that they're the one that's totally responsible to do everything. It's not going to be their money. It's going to be God multiplying their money. Does that make sense? It's going to be God working with them, God working with us. And so when we do anything, we're not alone in this. You know, when we share Jesus, Jesus is right there in the person of the Holy Spirit, convicting that person, letting him know. And suddenly it becomes truth. Everybody say truth. And so the, the, the connection, you know, I, my nephew used to say, you know, different people hook, hook you up with, you know, somebody to get drugs or you get a hookup or whatever they call it. Well, we are hooked up, folks. Um, we are hooked up to the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And that's a good hookup. Because it says in John, and I want you to put this scripture up. It's John 7, 38, 39. It says, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, it says in the King James, out of his belly uh, will flow rivers. Everybody say rivers of living water. What that is, is the life of the Holy Spirit living inside of us flows out of us into people's lives. How many of you have ever talked with someone and, and you just see, you know, when the conviction of the Holy Spirit is there, they, it's like their whole countenance starts to change. It's like, really? I mean, God can do that? When you tell your testimony, the, the expression on people's faces, what's happening? That Holy Spirit that's flowing out of you is connecting with what God put in them to receive Jesus Christ, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. So we are hooked up with the flow of the supernatural. And that's the title I felt to give you today. Put up 39 also, would you, verse 39? But this he spoke concerning the Spirit. Everybody say the Spirit. Whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, I know that when I was reading uh, one day and I was in Luke and it says he sent out the 72, you know, first he sent out 12 disciples. It talks about, and then it says 72 went out and they came back rejoicing because they said, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Everybody say in his name. So even while he was alive, if they used his name, the devil was subject to to them and the miracles that Jesus did they saw happen in their experience with ministering to people so you know we are hooked up to a powerful force and but I, I believe in the church a lot of times we just think it's going to be us you know I'm going to have to fix this you know I have lived a life of trying to fix things you might as well just hang it up because there's some things you just can't fix how many of you know you can't fix people no matter how hard you try. I mean, people get fixed by the power of God. I mean, I'm talking about wholeness. You know, you might be able to correct something for a little bit, but people are going to go back to what they were if they don't stay plugged into the things of God. Even people who have had victory with the Spirit of God and then let go for whatever reason, they start going backward 
and they go back to where they were. They go back into the flesh. And so uh, I was thinking, and, and I was reading in uh, this Maxwell Leadership Bible, if you turn to John chapter 2, uh, <clears throat> this is Jesus in the temple, and he's about had it. I mean, he, he's, he's upset because people are using his temple for the wrong thing. Now, listen, I, I'm not a, a preacher of doom and gloom here, but I believe God's going to clean up some houses that got his name on the door that are not acting like him. And I don't want to be one of them. Hallelujah. <laughs> so I want to be sure we're looking right at the word here. But this is what it says. Now, the Passover of the Jews was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, listen, he made this. He drove them out of the temple with the sheep, the oxen, and poured out the money changers, the changers' money, and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. And this is what I want you to hear next. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. Are y'all ate up today? That's an old covenant thing that was said. It's in Psalm 69.9. I want you to, re- I want to read to you what it said in my Bible. And I thought, here we are. This is where we are in the church. And it's not people we fight. Remember, it's powers and principalities. But we are going to have to take a stand and say what God tells us to say. Everybody say, go with the flow. And I don't mean the flow of the world. I mean the flow of the Holy Spirit. And if nobody else is, this is for anybody else, I'm going to preach to myself for two services so I can do this. Okay, here we go. When Jesus threw the money changers out of the temple, everyone understood this loving shepherd was dead serious about justice and righteousness. Amen? Then it says, now listen to this. He could lead people because he didn't need people. Can I say that again? He could lead people because he did not need people. Now, I have always been very needy. I need people to like me. I need people to say, oh, that you did a good job. Oh, yeah, that's okay. I, everybody say needy. But, but I, I learned that that isn't the good thing. That's... That's a manipulation of the enemy because then you become uh, a subject to what people think instead of doing what God says to do. It goes on and says his courage, everybody say courage, which is what we talked about last week, came from his sufficiency in his father, which allowed him to carry out unpopular tasks and leave his unforgettable mark. That's where the church needs to be. Amen. Can I say that again? Which allowed him because all of his efficiency was in God. And, and see, that's, that's really where we need to be looking today. Not at our sufficiency. What, what Kelly said in the beginning, you know, when David faced that opportunity, nobody liked him. The people he was leading didn't like. Nope. Everybody had left him. In fact, they wanted to stone him. That would have been a a thing that they did in that day. It's the same as wanted to kill him. And so he was in a position where he had a choice to make. 
And I'm sure that it wasn't popular to begin to praise God with all those men standing around whose wives were gone, their children were gone, everything was burned up. And he's, it'd be like Pastor Bill over in the Kokomo getting out of his car and go, hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, nobody would be really excited about him doing that in the middle of all of that. But in that situation, that's what God told David to do. And do you know what? It brought the victory. Everybody say, the ultimate goal is victory is victory. And so it, he, he did an unpopular task, but he left an unforgettable mark. Isn't that good? I tell you, this has really helped me. Uh, you know, I, th- these commentaries or whatever you want to call it in this Bible have really, uh, God has used them to correct me, to get my attention, but also to encourage me that, you know, Jesus went through a lot of things, but it was for a purpose. Everybody say a purpose. And when it says zeal, this is what zeal is. A strong feeling of interest and enthusiasm that makes someone very eager or determined to do something. Everybody say passionate. It's passion. You know, we, there's a lot of articles out there about passion today. But I'm telling you, passion can cause you to do an unpopular thing to leave a remarkable mark. Uh, no, that's an unforgettable mark. Amen? And that's where we have to be, church. I believe that's why God had me do this series for me, was it's time that it all be about Jesus, not about us. It doesn't matter what somebody, if somebody doesn't like me, well, that's okay. You know, I'm getting older. You know, it doesn't matter to me so much anymore. Mattered to me a lot when I was Dan's age. Doesn't matter a whole lot anymore. Hallelujah. When I go out of here, none of the people that I'm around are going to have anything to do with my eternity. It's going to be Jesus who decides. And he knows that I'm for him. So when we get our focus off of him, we get thinking about people. We will not be able to do this in the day we're living in. And the world needs Jesus they don't need you and me. Sorry to give you that information. But, you know, when children grow up, they don't need you so much. Have any of you had your children grow up? You know, they don't. They, they begin to live their life. And so in, in the life we're living, we need to always keep Jesus first, ahead of children, ahead of everybody. Not that we don't love our children and take care of our children. That's part of why we're in the earth, to raise up the next generation to know Jesus. But... Everything has to focus on, I'm doing exactly what Jesus told me to do today. And my routine can be disrupted. My choice of what my children do, what I do, can be disrupted if God tells me to do this. Are you getting this today? Hallelujah. Well, um, as I was doing this, you know, passion sometimes can get, it can get out of control if it's out of the flesh. But passion under the control of the Holy Spirit will always produce victory. Everybody say victory. So uh, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is in Mark chapter 2. And, um, and Mark, you know, this is, he wasn't a disciple. And uh, he, was, he was with Peter a lot. And they say that a lot of these writings came right out of his relationship with Peter and things he saw with Peter. But um, it's in chapter 2, verse 1. And when Mark starts his gospel, he doesn't go back to Jesus was born and, and the birth of Jesus or any of those things. He starts right out with the, Jesus being water baptized and on with the ministry that God gave him to do. And in chapter 2 it says, And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. You know, that's what I believe God wants 
the world to know is in the church house, he is there. Now, if he's there, then there's going to be evidence. Everybody say evidence. evidence. So there's going to be accompanying signs and wonders and miracles. And, and so in this house, immediately it says, many gathered together. You know, the way to build a church is to get Jesus in the house. Amen. And people begin to get ministered to. I was talking to Alyssa Waters. Well, that's not her last name now, but Melissa, who came here for a while, she's married now, lives in Thorntown. And she said, uh, Pastor Pam, I am in the Tippecanoe County Jail now twice a week. And I actually go in there and I teach the people. And she said, I often quote you. I'm teaching them everything you taught us. And she said, and you know what? I'll say, Pastor Pam, and they go, Pastor Pam. Oh, we know Pastor Pam. We've been to that church. Well, you know, uh, <laughs> we've always been known in the jail. My, my nephew Rodney used to say we picked up another one of yours this week, Aunt Pam. <laughs> Even Rodney got into ministering because he knew him from church. But, you know, people make mistakes. You know, I want to be known that that's the place where, and she said, I told him, you will not be judged in that church by your actions. They'll love you. Thank you, Jesus. I like that. Because <laughs> this is a house of love, acceptance, and forgiveness. Love that will tell you the truth, but will still love you through your mess. Hallelujah. Love that will accept you, but not accept the foolish things that you're doing. Will not say that's okay. And forgiveness that says we can forgive you again and again and again because we've had to do it ourselves and we've needed it. Amen? Amen. And so that's what, you know, we want to be known as a place like that. And, and people will say, yeah, but they're in the jail. Well, they'll come out of there and they're in the word and they know what they have heard. That's God's responsibility. Everybody say God's responsibility. God works with us to do whatever he assigns us to do. It says, immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic. I don't know who they were, but it was somebody who the zeal of God's house had eaten them up. You know how I know that? Because they were desperate. They were so desperate, they had four men who was carrying this guy, and they couldn't find a way in, so they dug a hole through the roof. Everybody say, that's someone eaten up with the zeal of the Lord. That's someone, I mean, today, now there is a, there's an attic up here, you know, so some desperate person could have crawled up the hole over there in Blaze come across the roof and could dig a hole and drop somebody down here today. Would you all say that they were, they had a zeal, a passion for someone to receive what Jesus had. Amen. That's what the Holy Spirit does in people. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And so, you know, when we sang that song, I'm blessed to be a blessing. Um, we, we need to begin to pray that that zeal will consume us. For his house. See, for his house. What that means is for everything that he is. And then it goes on. It says, then they came bringing the paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, 
they let down the bed which the paralytic was lying on. Now this, you know, can you imagine being the paralytic? Hey, listen, we're taking you to somebody who can help you. But by the way, we can't get in. So we're just going to take you up here. And we're just going to let you down through the roof. It, it'll be all right. You know, you'll be fine. Well, you know, that, that must have been quite an experience. And the people in there, what they would have thought, here comes this guy down out of the roof. What's he coming for? He's coming because he needs to be healed. It doesn't even say he volunteered to go. It just says, and they, whoever they were, decided that if they could get this guy to Jesus, that he would be healed. And so it says when they, they uncovered the roof. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their, what? Saw their what? Yes. He said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. Now, some of the scribes, that's the religious people, were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. You know, that's, hearts can be here or here. They're reasoning in their mind. Who are these people? And why, why are they doing They have just torn a hole in our roof. You know, there's a lot of people, you can't tear the hole in the roof and not have the whole board of whatever's in charge of maintenance saying, we don't do that here. You know, we don't tear holes in the roof. You know, we knew a guy in Tulsa who was over the youth. And he, he just... He believed in just getting as many in there as he could. Willie George was his name. And he had talked to his son and said, what's the matter? You know, we, we, don't have, we don't have a lot of young people in this church. And his son said, well, we're not doing the right things. And his son, he said, so tell me what's the right thing. He said, well, you know, we need to have activities like basketball, you know, and thing. I mean, it, it was like you walked into a gym in, in, in their youth area. Now, they did church, but, I mean, they had these activities. They had so many kids that they had to do it in shifts. So while one group was being ministered to, the other people were in a cafe drinking coffee and just doing kid stuff. They had so many buses out there they couldn't even, I mean, they had to get more and more buses to get all these kids in. And then when they got them all in there, they tore the place up. I mean, there were holes in the wall. There were all these things. The maintenance people said, we can't have this. This is a lot of work. I mean, we are, I mean, they're, they're tearing up the place. And Willie George said, well, you know, then we'll get a new maintenance person. And I believe that's what he wants to do with all of us. When God tells you to do something, it's not going to be anything about you. And, and we're not going to get the glory for doing it. It's going to be God. People are going to know it was him who was in the house. He's in your house. He's in my house. Now, I'm going to give you this because in Mark 16, when you go back there, there's it right before Jesus commissions them. And so he still had, he had faith in them that they could do what they were supposed to do. But right before it, he said, it says, he rebuked their unbelief and their hardness of heart. These disciples had been with him his whole walk, that whole three years. And yet they did not even believe when Jesus came back that it was Jesus after the crucifixion, he had told them, he had prepared them, he shared with them, and he said it was due to unbelief and hardness of heart. Everybody say hardness of heart. Now, hardness of heart is not because people get mad. It's just that people get insensitive to what the Holy Spirit's trying to do. Does that make sense? I mean, we just get used to going to church, and this is what we do. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I think God wants us to come anticipating 
that we ourselves, each one of us, each one of you and myself will be used by God that day to touch somebody's life. Not, you know, well, this is just how we do. You know, we just all go to church. And, and so, you know, when we think like that, then God will send that person that is especially for us to do that. You know, so we can, not just for them, but also so our faith can grow that, you know, hey, God did want to use me. Because we're here to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And so that's part of this process. Blessed to be a blessing. And so it says the hardness of, now those are two things. Everybody say two things that hinder courage. Last week we talked about courage. These are two things that hinder people from going with the flow. Go with the flow. Go with the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do. In my life, I've experienced these things, so I'm speaking to myself. James 3, 14 through 16. It says, where there's envy and self-seeking, there is every evil work, and there's confusion. Everybody say confusion. Confusion. And that's what happens when people get focused on all these things rather than Jesus. Focused on all the situations. You know, those people that were there when, when that paralytic was let down, the scribes, they got confused. Like, hey, what, what, what are we doing? I mean, this isn't, they weren't focused on the fact that Jesus was in the house, that he was a miracle working. He was their savior. They didn't know that, but he was in the house. He was going to do something. They they totally lost perception of that because they wondered why somebody's coming through the roof. Well, that's human reasoning instead of focus on Jesus. And so if we're going to go with the flow, we have to stay with it till the very end. And he said, this unbelief, this hardness of heart, and James said, if you have envy and self-seeking, that there will be confusion, every evil work, and this is not the wisdom of God. It's not what God sees. And Pastor Billy Joe in um, the, it's a spirit-filled Bible that Jack Hayford put together, and in there, Pastor Billy Joe said, to hinder the supernatural, all you have to do is have strife. And it stops. You can think it's working, but it's not working. And I say that to you in your homes or, you know, in, in a church or wherever it is, in an office. It doesn't matter. Where, whenever strife starts, envy then self-seeking starts strife. Confusion gets in, and then the supernatural is hindered. It, it can't operate. Well, God wants us all to be of one spirit in unity, coming for one purpose, and that's to see Jesus show up in here. Amen. See him show up where you live in your house. See him show up in your workplace, where, wherever that is. Um, and my husband probably won't like me sharing this about him, but, um, you know, my husband has a real heart for hurting people. And, and uh, I live with him and he does think like Jesus. I mean, he thinks about hurting people and whatever God tells him he does. My husband likes to stay up late and sleep in. You know, every morning, uh, this is what I hear. I'm all ready to go, and he'll go, hey, honey, what, what time is it? Well, it's the same time it was yesterday, <laughs> you know, because he sleeps in. Well, the other day, it was Friday morning, and I got up, and he was gone. And he had gone to Kokomo. He had said to me the night before, I think I'm going to drive to Kokomo. I said, oh, okay. And so I call, and I find him. And uh, he's in Kokomo. 
and he's driving through neighborhoods asking the Holy Spirit to show him. Walking. I didn't know that. He, yeah, walking, looking for somebody that God says, this is the man you're supposed to help or this woman or whoever. And talking to people. And he said, I looked out of place because they were all dressed to work. I was just walking through the neighborhood. But he finally found this man. And uh, the next time I called him, he kept telling me, I'm going to be home pretty soon. Well, pretty soon, you know, it was late afternoon. And, and I called him. He said, well, I'm sitting over here praying about what we need to do to help this man. I said, oh, okay. Well, somehow he doesn't have the right phone number for the guy. Somehow in writing down the phone number or whatever, it got messed up. He is calling everywhere trying to find this man. Last night at 10 o'clock, he comes in the bedroom and says to me, I need you to help me find this man. I'm thinking, I'm going to bed. I have to preach in the morning. Isn't that spiritual? He's lowering somebody through the roof, and I'm tired. <laughs> so I get up, and I get Megan involved in it. And, you know, I'm texting Megan. You know, this is like getting later and later. And then he comes, and he shows me a picture. He goes, look, this is the man. I found him on the Internet talking to Governor Pence. This is the man that he found. He, he's on the internet. That's how he got the picture to show you today. Do you know where my husband's going as soon as we get out of here? To Kokomo. To find that man. <laughs> Why? Because the Holy Spirit wants to find that man. He even wants so much that man to be found that he sent Governor Pence to find that man. To put him in the news. For some reason. I don't know why. Just because God loves him, I guess. See, that's where we are. That's where we are. There's all kinds of people going in with aid, but we go in with Jesus and aid. Amen? This church will have a huge outreach to disaster situations that are going to be coming, I believe, in the earth. Shane Harble has that in his heart. He isn't doing it right now, but God's getting him ready. Job he's in right now, teaching him a lot of stuff. He's, he's on assignment. We got to be ready, church. And the way we get ready is to be willing to be that they, whoever they were, that were so consumed by the zeal of God, they were all ate up. I've heard that before. Have you ever heard that expression? They're just all ate up. I don't even know what it was in regard to, but I like it better in a Christian vernacular. Hallelujah. We'll just stick with that. But I want to be all ate up with, with the passion that, God wants me to have for the people that are out there that today are in those messes. And whether you're in Kokomo from a tornado or whether you've been annihilated by drugs or alcohol or whatever it is, destruction is destruction on whatever level it finds you. Let's stand. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your word today. It says that we have been made ministry. We have a ministry of reconciliation. That's what you said.